he said, where are you from? And I said, California. He said, I didn't know there's turkeys out in California. I said, we got turkeys, pig, deer. We're one of the best states to hunt waterfowl. And I was like, all right, go ahead and take them. And the euphoric feeling that I was having, boom, right over its head. My best blacktail I killed was 21 inches wide, the three-pointer. I mean, that's like a trophy. People pay big bucks to kill a blacktail like that. People are like, oh, turkeys are stupid, you know? In my opinion, hunting a wild turkey that's educated is one of the hardest animals to hunt for anyone that wants to try to do that with their wife that doesn't hunt. The main thing with that is, is to make the experience joyful. This is Blake Manning, and you're listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. You and I and everybody listening to this owns 640 million acres. I think he killed more deer drinking his coffee, smoking his cigarette in the pickup truck than I did spending all that time freezing my butt off. Something that I would hope is that people realize that those are wild animals and they have savage natures. I look forward to packing animals out. I look forward to that pain of success. Doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you live. I've said it before and you know what? I'll say it again louder for the people in the back. Your present circumstance should not limit your passions. This is Jay Scott of the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Hey, this is Ryan Callahan. Hi, this is Jules McQueen. Hey everybody, Jason Carter here with Epic Outdoors. Hey guys, this is Tim Burnett with Solo Hunter. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Alright y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Getting on to today's episode, I'm sitting down with another native Californian here, Blake Manning, California Outdoorsman on Instagram. Blake, thank you so much for uh, taking the time, hopping on. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. So one thing I always really like to start out with is just kind of a general introduction of yourself. You know, uh, how did you get and also how did you get your your introduction into the outdoors. How'd you get started in all of this? So I'm born and raised up here in uh, Sonoma County. I like to refer to it as uh, being north of the smog line. (laughs) Um, Born in Hillsburg. I currently reside in Cloverdale. Um, But, you know, I started uh, fishing with my dad at a very young age since I was like a knee high. You know, he used to take me down fishing with him down on the Russian River and whatnot. And uh, I grew pretty much grew up on that river. And as far as hunting goes, um, I was kind of brought in by a friend's dad, you know, I, when I, so I grew up going to school in Geyserville. And then when I left Geyserville and I think it was third grade and went to Healdsburg elementary, I started to meet a lot of other kids that like to hunt and fish. And I started hanging out with this one kid and, and, uh, they had a, they still have it, a ranch out by uh, Lake Sonoma. And so I started going out there with him and his dad and his dad kind of took me under his wing and taught me all the do's and don'ts and, you know, all the, you know, ethics and safety and everything. And then I, you know, and, but right before this, I got my hunting license because I was interested in hunting. I my you know, I have family members that hunted and my dad didn't, he didn't, uh, he did when he was younger, but he didn't really hunt when I was, you know, growing up. So that guy, he kind of took me under his wing and, uh, and I just, you know, I fell in love with it. He doesn't even know today that he actually gave me some, one of the things that I enjoy the most. And that's actually, you know, uh, being a hunter, you know, for sure. That's one of those funny things is like, you never, you never really realize like, and it could be, it could be anyone. It could be, you know, your neighbor's kid. It could be a situation like that, it, but 
it could also be that like that random dude that you shared an Uber with that one time and you sat and like spent the whole drive talking about hunting and you know, he ends up falling in love with it, getting his hunting license, falling in love with it. You know, it's, you never really know what's going to, what's going to come of all that. And so it's, it's important to, to share something that's so important to us. Right. And that, and I'm a big advocate on teaching, you know, um, especially, you know, juniors and then also people that don't really hunt themselves, you know, teaching them kind of like what I was taught all the, the, the great things. And also, and I'm not going to, you know, lie or sugarcoat it along the way. There was things that I did learn from other people that I probably shouldn't have learned, you know? (laughs) And so, um, but today it's like, you know, today, you know, I try to give, give back in any way that I can and teach them all the, you know, the great things that I was taught. Cause when I came like, even like yourself, maybe I didn't have my dad teach me how to hunt and all, you know, everything around it. But, uh, I had somebody else. So there was somebody else that kind of, you know, passed down to me that I wasn't related to or anything, which was pretty cool. So, so what are, what are some of the things you do in order to share your love of hunting with, with the community? Like what's, is it just, you kind of, if anybody reaches out to you, you kind of help them out. Like what's, uh, yeah. So, you know, I have my Instagram and I'm pretty, uh, you know, like half the time I'm joking around and being a total idiot. And then the other half of the time, you know, I'm like really either I'm out in my drift boat fishing or, you know, I'm out in the Hills hunting or I'm doing something to prepare for it. But yeah, most of the time, like people, you know, people reach out to me all the time, ask me questions about equipment. They ask me questions about, you know, public land access um, so on and so forth. And I try to be available to anybody that I can realistically. I mean, aside from, you know, guiding part-time for fishing, I also give back in that way, but I also like to give back in any other way that I can to any, any other outdoorsman. So here in California, it's, you know, you know, the impression like that everyone has, you know, California to 90% of people is, LA, San Francisco, with maybe a little bit of San Diego thrown in. Like, there's no other part to California that exists as far as 90% of the world <laughs> is concerned. Um, so, of course, there's no hunting in California. But, you know, I'm part of these, uh, a lot of these Facebook groups on uh, like California bow hunters or this or that or the other. You know, there's hundreds of them. And you see a lot of guys that come in and they're like, yeah, just out of nowhere, they're like, I didn't know we could hunt in California. Where do we hunt? How do we do it? Like, right. You know, what would, what would kind of your response be to that? When I was, so check this out. When I was, I think I was a junior in high school, my friends and I flew back to Nashville, Tennessee to go to the NWTF convention. And I think that was in like 2006, maybe 2005. And we went to that and I met, all these big wig, you know, I met all the professional callers. I met, uh, like, you know, Lee and Tiffany, I met Jim Zumbo, Jim Shockey, all these different people. <laughs> and I can't remember which guy it was, but his, uh, show was hunting across America. Right. <laughs> and he said, where are you from? And I said, California. He said, I didn't know there's turkeys out in California. So we got turkeys, pig, deer, bear, all kinds of water. We have one of the best, we're one of the best States in the United States to hunt waterfowl. And, uh, you know, he, he was just like, Oh, I didn't know that. And I'm like, dude, your show's called hunting across America. What? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it, man. He kind of got embarrassed. You know, I was like, man, I, I, you know, I, yeah, some people, they don't, you know, California is, is wonderful of a state we have with like the country, you know, and, and some of the opportunities that's what attracts me to, well, I have stayed here as long as I have, I mean, you know, um, we have almost every kind of climate you could have in one state. So, yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing. It's because it, admittedly it is tough at times being here. Like the, the weather's incredible. The opportunity to hunt is, is absolutely fantastic because like you said, we have just about everything. And, you know, I mean, I always like to throw this in, you know, we have all three species of elk. We're the only state that has all three species of elk and, you know, the opportunity is incredible, but at times, yeah, it, it is, can be difficult living here. Cause well, you know, you live in a, a, a more friendly area for hunting and now I do as well. 
it's a good majority of the state is run and uh, legislation is put into place by people that are vehemently anti-hunting to the point of just absolute ridiculousness. Like, and so it's kind of like, and then of course, anti-gun legislations and, and background checks on ammo now, which was, that was a nice, what was it like eight hours that, that, that disappeared. Placed an order and I didn't even get it. The company that I ordered DRT ammo, the lady called me and said, Hey, we're not sending you your shipment because, uh, the legend, you know, it got, whatever, whatever happened, happened even, I think it was like happened mm-hmm. after like nine hours after I placed the order. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I think a lot of people got that same thing where it's like, unless your order was shipped before it, before it effectively ended, I think they canceled a lot of people's orders. I'm seeing mixed reviews. Um, I know, I know a few people, uh, few people were posting pictures today actually of their, (laughs) their ammo deliveries I noticed on Facebook, but I don't know, man, it's, it's a tough thing because there's so much good opportunity and again, the climate and the weather and everything is great here. But then, you know, there's part of me that's just like, I want to get the hell out. Right. Yeah. Where I'm at, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, we have, there's a lot of private ground, um, you know, but if you drive a few hours, you can find a lot. There's, you know, Mendocino national forest. And that's where I usually generally deer hunt is up in B zone. That's one of the tags that I get, but, uh, I've been fortunate enough throughout the time when I've started hunting to always have access to properties. Uh, I think at one time, you know, when I was in high school, I had access to like eight different properties that I could go turkey hunting that. And, um, so I never had a problem getting my three birds, you know, always hunt with my other buddies and they never had any problems getting their three birds. And, same with pig hunting, always had a place to pig and always had a place to deer hunting, you know, and even like I took the suggestion of, to, you know, walking up to doorsteps and asking, knocking on doors and asking, Hey, do you mind like if I could come over and, you know, go hunting? And I don't know how many times you got the door slammed in our face or told to get the hell off the property. But there was those times where people were like, yeah, that's fine. When would you like to come, you know, blah, and I built a relationship with them, mm-hmm. you know, or asking, Hey, do you, you know, I would be willing to trade some form of work if you allowed me to come out and harvest whatever animal, whatever season it was. So, um, cause that's one of the things is I get hit up on Instagram a lot and even Facebook. It's like, people are always like, well, how do you get these, how do you get access to these places? And a lot of it is, uh, one following the law, you know, <laughs> um, also, you know, just being, a uh, uh, having people that I've known over that I've gotten to know, like this one guy, the, one of the places that I hunt now, it's like 4,500 acres. I knew him a few years before I actually asked him if I could go hunting out there. And as a course of him getting to know me and, and, and seeing that, you know, like, Hey, I give back in my, to my community in numerous ways, you know, I would like to think I'm somewhat of a good person. Right. But he was like, Hey, you know, uh, why don't you get a deer tag and come on out, you know? And so then I started going out there and, every time I go out, I always try to give back, ask how, if there's anything that I could do needs to be done, you know? And those are some of the, the, the suggestions that I give to people that are, you know, inquiring about getting obtaining access to private ground. Cause like I said, I'm very fortunate. The ranch that I hunt, I had no problem killing three birds this year. And like, even like him, the owner and I were talking like 15 years ago, there was no turkeys out there. And even in California, the turkey population has just boomed and there's birds everywhere. Oh yeah. NWTF has been doing some great work out here. Um, gotta, gotta give a shout out to my, my buddy, Kevin Vela. He's, uh, he's a uh, part of NWTF here in California and you know, they've been doing some great work and the populations are doing well. I mean, we always have, I mean, well, as, as you've seen, as you've seen on my Instagram right. uh, this year, has <laughs> been, it's been a rather successful turkey year for me, um, effectively due to no effort on my part. <laughs> That's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> you know what, man? I'm not too prideful to take it. it. Well, I think I even made a post about it, though. And I'm like, I'm not one to like roll out in the morning, see a turkey in the front yard, blow it away, and then go put on my camo for the picture. I'm like... Hell yeah. I'm going to head my ass out. I'm going to take a picture in my Crocs, my cutoffs and 
<laughs> the t-shirt that I was doing yoga in about 15 minutes prior. And <laughs> yeah. Albeit now that I've now that I've gotten my two of my three birds, I need to uh I think I need to focus and like actually go do it the you know quote unquote correct way. So I'm going to try and actually, you know, get myself concealed, call in a bird and I kind of want to, I think I'm going to take my bow for the, just use my bow for the rest of the season because why the hell not? <laughs> I told myself I was going to shoot one with my bow this year and I ended up whacking one the first opening day and that hunt lasted 10 minutes and it was one of those hot and heavy hunts bird. I mean, just everything just worked out perfect. And then the second bird that I got, a friend of mine and I, he went, he shot one with his bow and about 45 minutes later, I called in a gobbler and shot one with a shotgun. <laughs> uh, and then the following weekend, I took my wife out and we, the whole, that weekend we didn't have, it was storm and rain blowing sideways. It was just horrible weather for, you know, Turkey. And I mean, and I even told myself, I'm not going to go if it's raining and, you know, weatherman says, Oh, it's supposed to be raining and blowing first thing, you know, before first light. And I would wake up at, 7:30 and it's somewhat nice out still. And so uh, we didn't have any action that weekend, but I took her back out the following weekend and I was cuz I was telling myself I'm going to shoot my first my third bird with my bow. And uh she ended up tagging along wanting to go and I ended up killing the third one with a shotgun. So that's, <laughs> a, that's how it goes. It's it's hard to like when you've got one staring you in the face, it's it's hard to be like, "No, I'm going to hold off." Like and that was like, I know, I know if I was, you know, if I was out and on the family property again, and I saw a, a big ass Tom come out and it had a beard dragon on the ground, I would be hard pressed not to grab the shotgun out of the car and <laughs> swing up on it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we like, you know, I've killed a lot of turkeys over the years and, and I, there was a time for, for like a, probably a, 10 year period where I was all about turkey. And I mean, I'd be the, every spring it come around, it'd be like how deer hunters look at deer season. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'd, you know, pass up a lot of birds and try to kill birds that were anywhere from 10 to 11 and a half inch beards, you know? And then this year, all three birds that I killed, I killed one eight inch and nine and a nine and a quarter, like nothing big. It wasn't even, they weren't even any of the boss toms that I was like focusing on, but because like, the first one came in opening day and I said, you know what, if it's got a long beard, I'm going to take it. And then the second one, uh, my buddy shot one with a bow and then I ended up calling another one in, uh, with a shotgun. And he was like 11 yards from the blind. <laughs> and I was like, he's, he's done, you know? <laughs> and then, uh, and then the third one, you know, my, I wanted my wife to experience it because it was her first hunt. And, and that hunt was just, it was just intense. That bird was just, running down through the redwood grove i mean he probably closed 600 yards within maybe three and a half four minutes and he was just it was just you know one of those hunts where uh you know i didn't really see how big of his beard beard was until i actually walked up on him and he wasn't like i said only it was like nine and a quarter but uh she got to experience that and for me you know i've been pretty fortunate to kill a lot of animals and take a lot of animals, a lot of trophy animals. And that hunt was better than the majority of, you know, it didn't matter how big it was. It could have been, mm -hmm. it could have had a six inch beard and I still would have been stoked because for me, it's like that, that right there is what for me makes the memory. And it's just, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, mm -hmm. uh, blood on the ground, blood on your hands, the animal that's all extra, you know? So and, and I thought we were going to get busted by that bird because he got held up on this fence and it wasn't a fence separating properties. It was just a fence that goes through the ranch that I hunt. And, uh, he was back and forth, back and forth. And when he jumped up and started gliding towards the decoys, I could hear my wife wiggling behind me <laughs> and she's moving around and I'm thinking, Oh man. And he hit the ground. And instead of coming right towards the decoys, he started skirting around and I swung out and shot him from the side. and. I was like, I don't know what he was, you know, he didn't really like the decoys or something. And she mm. goes, I had a spider crawling on me. <laughs> <laughs> so she's back there probably waving around, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, Oh, this is, this is horrible. This is, you know, <laughs> yeah, but it worked out. 
Oh, that's funny. That's funny. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, man. No, like I totally get it because uh, while they weren't with me, I mean, a good portion of the reason I took that second Tom was, I mean, I didn't even, same kind of thing. I didn't even look at how long the beard was. I just saw it had a beard. I got within range of it, you know, stalked it from behind the lawnmower to the, uh, to the side by side and around the chicken coop. Like it was very epic hunt, you know? Um, but they honestly, the whole reason is my, my family has been up visiting my brother and sister-in-law and, uh, my nephews were up and I wanted my nephews to be part of that experience. And while they weren't out there with me for taking the animal, I went and, uh, I went and taught them how to process it and quarter it and how to clean the meat. And, and then, uh, we all had a meal, you know, a, a day or two later, we all had, you know, some incredible shredded turkey. I think we just did turkey tacos this time around. Nothing too fancy, but right. like they were able to, and I, and I grilled up the heart and I, I made them all try, you know, a slice of the heart and everything. And, but I mean, they, they learned that and I, I prepped the whole tail fan for them. And, uh, my nephew is now, I think he's probably working on it right as we're recording this. Um, he, he went and he wanted to keep the wings and I'm like, well, they're kind of hard to dry out. And so he took the time to, with needle nose pliers to pluck every dang feather from those wings as clean as possible. And he's, and he's making a full on like, uh, headdress out of them. And it looks wow. really freaking cool. Like I'm admittedly a little bit jealous of it, but, <laughs> but you know, so I totally get that. It's, you know, it's about, it, it's such a cliche thing to say, right? It's like, Oh, it's about the experience. It's not about the kill, but you know, it's some, it depends on the hunt. Sometimes. Yeah. The hunt's about the kill. You want to go and you want to lay something flat on the ground and you want to take it home. But a good a good chunk of the time it is really just about that experience you know if or what you put down really doesn't matter oh yeah and and uh you know so i had like a few there was what six hunts four of them we killed birds on there was a hunt that i hunted with my buddy he killed one i didn't i wasn't hunting but uh so we and then all of a sudden and then the last i think four or five hunts that i've been on i was with a seven-year-old woman and you know and I, this is partially leave me giving back you know I took it went out with this old gal she's a friend of mine a, you know I was friends with her husband and I'm friends with her son and uh, you know I called these two birds and they just came in I mean I one of those things where this bird's full strut trying to run as fast as it can into the decoys and he comes up right next to the decoys and I'm thinking oh man it is about to just go down and I was like all right go ahead and take him. And the euphoric feeling that I was having, boom, right over its head. I don't know. It, she, she got, she hit closer <laughs> to the other bird. <laughs> so he drops the gun in her lap and she goes, I hit him. And I'm like, no, I get him again. And so, you know, she shoots misses again. Right. Um, and, and we, you know, it wasn't, we didn't, we didn't get a bird that day, but that hunt was like, that was epic. Right. Um, and I, and I, every time I talk to her, I always, you know, give her crap because, you know, she gives it back. Right. But, uh, and then, you know, but every hunt that I've had, we hunted, uh, three more times and each hunt, if, if, if I was hunting with somebody who, you know, like she needs help to get off the ground, you know, um, she doesn't shoot at all, you know, so it's gotta be kind of like the picture perfect bird needs to walk into the decoys for her to get a shot. And these other hunts that we were on, the, the next three or four, I think it was, I could have killed a bird each of those hunts if I was hunting or if I had, if I was calling for somebody that, you know, anywhere around our age or the, our abilities, yeah. you know, but um, those hunts didn't work out, but they were still, I mean, exhilarating. We, it was one hunt, we had birds all over the place and it was, you know, uh, 
it was intense, but as the, the last hunt, we, the last time we hunted, it wasn't this last week and the weekend before, um, you could tell that those birds were getting educated. And I always tell everybody, I'm like, you know, people are like, Oh, turkeys are stupid, you know? And in my opinion, hunting a wild turkey that's educated is one of the hardest animals to hunt. I mean, it's like they're, you got to think they have great, excellent eyesight, mm-hmm. great hearing. And if that bird knows that, you know, you're calling and you're not a hen and you're a person, um, or sees you, I mean, it's just those numerous scenarios, but, uh, hunting an educated bird's pretty hard. Well, and it's such a weird, like, it's so backwards too. And I was, and this is one of the things I was explaining to my nephews is it's like, uh, because we were talking about the tail fan and why they have it and, and all, all of that. It's, it's so backwards compared to any other species where, you know, the, the males come to the females. I mean, and to, and to an extent they do with turkeys, but you have to be so strategic in how you set up. And I did a podcast on this, but like, cause the, they're so hard to get if they catch those decoys too early or, you know, if they come in and you're just in the wrong spot and, and they know exactly where that calling's coming from and they don't see the, see a, a hen there. And it's, you know, they're, it's so funny. They're, they're just so dumb. They are so dumb in some ways, but then look so intelligent in the others. It's like, there's just this big gap in between. And if you told me again, if you told me when I first started getting into hunting that I would be this pumped about Turkey season every year, I would have laughed my ass off at you. Like I would have never in a million years believed you. I'd be this stoked on trying to shoot a freaking Turkey. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, after that first bird that I shot opening morning, that like kind of promoted the fire to get back into me about Turkey hunting. And then I hunted every weekend, every day of the weekend for the next five weeks, this last weekend I took off and, you know, I obviously harvested my three birds. So then I started hunting with other people and, you know, cause I enjoy calling and all that stuff and, you know, getting in within a couple hundred yards of the roost at zero dark 30 and then waiting for 45 minutes and listen to the woods come alive and the birds just, it, that's what I love that. Right. That's just all part of it. But, uh, yeah, you know, there's always something to take, like, you know, when it doesn't work out, it's like, what should I have done different? Should I have hunted with one hen or should I hunted with no decoy or, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like the constant, you know, but there's always something to take away from each hunt, especially if it's unsuccessful, you know, um, of what maybe, to do different next time. So, and now I'm transitioning. Like I didn't, I didn't go this last weekend. I'm more kind of like starting to obsess with deer season and draw odds and like where I'm going to put in for what unit and, mm-hmm. you know, draws open now, right. I think I saw that email. Yeah. The draw has been open. Um, and right now I'm just trying to figure out which unit I want to put in for, uh, you know, trying to narrow it down, look at, there's a way that I break it down and everything. And and I've been put, I have eight points this year. So I've been, uh, you know, kind of like really wanting to hunt, but I thought, well, I'm going to wait and put it off until I get it, you know, to put in, be able to put in for like devil's garden or bass Hill or one of those units. Mm -hmm. But now I'm this year, um, going to put in and just go for a guaranteed tag. Cause I, I want to hunt. I'm I figure if I can hunt every three years, I'm going to do that rather than hunting, you know, waiting for a once in a lifetime hunt and then wait 15 or 18 years for that hunt. And let's say don't get weather or have a drought year or something. It'd be a waste of a, of a wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, I kind of almost feel like for your home state, it's hard. It's hard to hard to wait for like a big tag. And um, you know, it, it's, because you do, you want access to hunt every year and there's opportunity. We get, we get what, two deer tags, right? Yeah. But, and so, you know, there's, there's almost always an over the counter opportunity you can buy, but it's, I don't know. It's tough for me to like try and wait for like a really high end deer tag, but that's also cause I put in for out of state so I can, I can sit and be putting in and wait for that big hunt and go travel to do that. But then every year I'm here in California hunting right. except for last year because I couldn't kill anything out of state. And so I missed the entirety of deer season here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just been waiting, you know, with this whole 
kind of crap storm that's going on. I'm kind of waiting until the last minute to see if anything changes because I'm supposed to be going to Alaska in July um, for a week and then come back. And then if I end up drawing this unit, I'm going to be taking two weeks off to hunt, you know. So, and we're a couple friends and I are putting in, we're going to average somewhere around five points. So we've kind of narrowed it down and whatnot, but uh, I'm eager to get over and hunt the east side of five because my whole life I've hunted on the west side of five. I've hunted the 101 corridor okay. for coastal blacktail. So, and I've killed mule deer before, but this is something in my home state to get up and do a true western style hunt, sagebrush country, you know, and that's what I'm really excited about. So, it's these opportunities are are awesome, man. And and again, like more opportunities, one of the few places you can get get blacktail deer. Like it's cool. You know, and people, whatever, you know, people are like, oh, all I ever want is a big old mule deer. That's all I ever want. You know, blacktails, blah, 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 blah. I think they're cool animals. Yeah. You know, we were, uh, who was, I can't remember who I was talking to, but uh, even Ted Nugent says blacktail are the hardest deer to hunt, right? So there's coos deer, which is the desert whitetail, and then mm-hmm. there's blacktail, coastal blacktail. And we have true coastal Colombian blacktail. Now you get up into the bench leg area or like, from the five East or even on around the five corridor, you know, those are, we call them hybrids, you know? Yeah. Uh, where I'm at, it's, I mean, all coastal, true Colombian blacktail. And, uh, you know, I've killed some really nice blacktail. I mean, my best blacktail I killed was 21 inches wide, the three pointer. I mean, that's like a trophy. People pay big bucks to kill a blacktail like that. Yeah. I mean, and I got a couple of buddies that, that guide and outfit up in, uh, Willits and Covalo area and Garberville. And these guys are, you know, they're, they're, they're selling these tags, these PLM tags for like 10 grand for people to go and kill a 24 inch blacktail. It's just, I, <laughs> I'm like baffled. I'm like, man, like I have a pretty good that I have a chance to be able to kill a buck like that without having to drop 10, 10 G's. <laughs> you know oh yeah. I mean? Yeah. Now I gotta, I gotta figure out what I'm putting in for this year here in California, I need to, I need to start making those decisions. I've, I've put like zero thought into it. Cause I've got, I've got Arizona elk this year. Somehow like I drew on a, on a, like a, I think less than 1% chance. Oh, wow. And so that's, that's stellar. That's phenomenal. Oh yeah. To, to do that. It's exciting. Yeah. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked on that one. Um, and that's taken a bit of my, <laughs> just a little bit of my focus. So I'm not sure. I'm actually honestly not sure how much I'm going to do in California this year. I may just buy an over-the-counter tag for deer and leave it at that and kind of put in, just kind of put in for points for everything else. Cause, um, I've got a wedding down in SoCal that I have to go to in August. And then right after that, I'm going out to Arizona. And so I figured I'm like, well, I'm going to do over the counter archery in Arizona for deer. If I'm going out there, might as well go a little early. So it kind of, unless maybe I, I just went really, really early in the season here and started doing, you know, I mean, super early August or late July. Um, I just don't think I have a ton of opportunity to deer hunt this year. Right. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been like, so like I started out when I was hunting, like pig hunting and turkey hunting was like my cream of the crop and I really enjoyed it. And then as I started to really dive into deer hunting, it, uh, actually I became more in love with deer hunting than I did with turkey and pig hunting. And as time went on, you know, but the last, I would say, I don't know how many years, but I've been very religious in regards to around this time I started obsessing thinking about deer hunting I'm running every day you know trying to get into shape I'm not one of those people that work out all year I work out from like May until the end of deer or even the beginning of deer season right like that's the you know and so um and then last year you know, like we found up in B zone, we found a great area. It was loaded with deer, loaded with big bucks. I mean, I'm not even joking. We, we found like the gem, the gem of the gems. And there was bucks in there, 24 inch, 24, 24 inch deer. There was multiple of them. They were, they were just these, I mean, Boone and Crockett bucks. Right. And we were so stoked. And then what happened was, is we were going, we finally got this area figured out. We hunted it all archery. Uh, the year before that, none of us were successful. I got within, I don't know, 
both three different times of three giant bucks within like 80, 90 yards and uh, couldn't seal the deal. Uh, but then this last year came around and we start, we were going up to go scout and I'm not going to go into detail, but we, we found ourselves in a nightmare that very rarely do we hear about here in California. And I hear have heard about it a few times from a few different people, but I found myself living the nightmare out in national forest. And, uh, it really put a damper on my gear season because I did not go back to that area. I did not, I didn't even hunt B zone. I had a B tag. I didn't even, use, I didn't even go up there. Right. Um, and so, you know, and I'm sure people that are listening can understand what I'm talking about up in the Emerald triangle, kind of what happened. And, uh, you know, so like, I'm not even gonna go back to that area. Cause the last thing I want to do when I go out in the woods is to worry about what I'm going to walk into or who I'm going to run into. You know, I like to enjoy myself living in the moment, you know, absorbing all the wonderful things that are going on, you know? So, um, so yeah, so now what we're going to do is, is we're putting in for a, pr a premium tag up in Northeastern and then, uh, you know, for, uh, the over the counter, I'm probably just going to go with an AO tag and we'll pro we're going to have to find a new place to hunt up in B zone. Cause we're not going to go back to that area. Yeah. That we were hunting, so, well, I mean, it's always it's always the, you know, the big conversation. Um, you know, I joke about it all the time, but it's, it's really not far off from the truth. You know, you talk about, I always carry bear spray and a sidearm. I carry bear spray for the four legged predators. I carry a sidearm for the other predators. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and so, so this is an art we got, like we got into it with a fish and wildlife, uh, warden the year before because a friend of mine was packing during archery season mm -hmm. and it's illegal in California to pack during archery season. Yeah. So during archery deer. And so, uh, we got in an argument and we're like, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And finally the warden's like, you know what, I'm just going to give you a warning. Bob will go, you know, we went our ways. And then the next year we found ourselves, and this wasn't even during deer season. This was during we were scouting, yeah. you know, um, and I tell you what, I would have been way happier to run into a mountain lion or a bear than what, you know, what ended up happening. And, uh, so, you know, um, yeah, but there's, I mean, you know, so it put a damper on my deer season, but this year I'm really excited to get back out in the woods, you know, and, uh, and really, um, you know, do some footwork and, and, uh, yeah, hopefully have another successful year of deer season where I can fill both tags. Oh Yeah. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So there's one thing I wanted to touch on that we kind of, we kind of talked about when you're we talking Turkey a little bit. And that is, uh, that I wanted to bring up to, uh, your wife's first time. I mean, like she is brand, brand new to this. Like, Oh, she just is like, yeah. got her first, first set of camo. Right. Yeah. So she, yeah. So basically what happened was, is, um, she, we were, you know, we've started dating and she's like, you know, she doesn't hunt, she doesn't fish, and I'm all about both. You know, over the course of the last few years, she's been talking about, like, what she'd be willing to hunt. And so she said, not a deer, they're too cute, right? Maybe a <laughs> duck, because a duck doesn't really think or anything. It doesn't, it just flies, you know. And then uh, she said, well, I was like, what about a turkey? And she's like, well, turkeys are ugly. Yeah, I could probably shoot one of those, right? So, so I said, okay, so what we're going to do. So I'm going to take you, we're going to go, you're going to do everything, but shoot. Right. So you're going to go, you're going to sit, you're going to experience it. You're going to see kind of how it evolves. And the first hunt that we went on, it wasn't very, our first two hunts we went on the first hunt we went on, there wasn't a very exciting, there wasn't any birds around second hunt. We went on the birds were literally, when we got there, we woke up late, got out late after breakfast, the birds were strutting. There was about eight gobblers, 15 yards in front of the blind. They beat us to the blind. So we set up, try to call them. The hens took them the other way. And then that hunt, it was successful. She was just, yeah, she was thrilled. She was, you know, 
she's like, oh, I can't wait to get my license, you know? And, and yeah. So, and to me, and if for anyone that wants to try to do that with their wife, that doesn't hunt, or let's say like girlfriend or whatever boyfriend, if you know, you're a girl listening or whatever, but, uh, the, the main thing with that is, is to make the experience joyful, right? Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to do, and like, I was skeptical on taking her out when it was raining, but then I was like, oh, I got a blind we're going to sit in. It's going to, we're not going to get wet. So, but uh, if it was raining, she got cold, wet, there was no birds around, she was miserable. She probably wouldn't want to go back out again. Yeah, I was going to say like, in in a lot of situations, early morning turkey hunting could either be like super ideal, like if you're in a blind and, you know, you can kind of interact. But I, I'm just picturing somebody like trying to take their significant other out with no blind. And it's like, OK, we're going to sit here for a few hours and you can't even blink. Like, <laughs> I just told her, you know, because I got her set up with a face mask and she's all decked out and stuff. And and when when we we got to this spot, right, this one area we were hunting, we were hunting the same group of birds that I I shot one and my buddy shot one out of the day before. They weren't really working. So then we moved to the other side of the ranch. And that's one of the luxuries of hunting a big ranch is you can kind of just go around and look for different birds. We got to this other place and, you know, we walked a couple hundred yards and I called and there was a bird that gobbled about 800 yards across the canyon. And then another bird gobbled up behind us. And she says, there's one up there. And I'm like, no, that's that one. And so I called again, he gobbled and then this one gobbled. And I was like, oh shoot, he's right there, you know? And so she's like, I told you, you know? So we went and got set up and I'm fumbling the decoys. And, and next thing I know, we're sitting there and I told her, I said, there he is. Don't move. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I see it. Yeah, so uh, that's you know, yes. When she saw him coming in and everything and strutting and gobbling and doing his thing, that's when it became exciting for her. You know what I mean? Well, and I think you know, after after a few seasons, those deer, you never know; those deer are going to start becoming a little less cute every season. Well, I hope so, because. <laughs> you know, then I don't have to, you know, leave and she can actually, you know, go. Cause I would love to be able to take her for a week and go hunting, you know, cause that's yeah. something that we could do to bond together. But, but I do like hunting with my buddies, but you know, well, yeah, you know there's, cool. there's a time for everything, you know, it's, there's opportunity for both. And, um, you know, the other thing I've noticed that really gets people into it is when you're able to, uh, share that wild game afterwards too. Like you cook up a meal and, and you start talking about it and they're like, wait a second, this is deer or, you know, or this is, this is like, you shot this Turkey either that, or they're asking what's this steel pellet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she, she pretty much eats anything that I make. I mean, the only thing that she won't eat is liver or heart, mm-hmm. um, but she's had deer. She's had Turkey tonight. We're going to have for taco Tuesday. We're going to have bluegill tacos um you know so and then i mean she's had all kinds of different things she's literally tried it once but for the most part uh, i think that her favorite's probably either a deer backstrap or maybe some turkish schnitzel turkish schnitzel is actually pretty good i was thinking about i have a i got a recipe for that out of the media cookbook it was either that or i don't know one of renella's cookbooks um and i really want to try making that that looks so dang good and it just it it's simple. Like it's not difficult to make. It's not complicated. No. And I, I basically marinate it for 24 hours and then I pound it out, bread it, fry it and squeeze some lemon on it. And it's killer. Um, but you know, even like with wild pig, there's so many dishes that you can make with that. You can make carnitas, you can make chili verde, you can make a pot, pot roast. You can do, I mean, uh, pork chops, you can do schnitzel with that too. So, and I actually just, I have, I think, two more pieces of pig meat in my freezer, and that's pretty much it. So I'm going to have to, you know, <laughs> get one of those before, you know, the grass starts really drying out and it starts getting really too hot. Yeah, I need to. I still haven't. And and Andy, I swear, is probably going to roll his eyes at me because he's invited me so many times. And it's just like it's never like the timing's never worked out, whatever it is. Or I've, I've just been doing stupid crap, like quitting my job. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he literally hunts, I think like five minutes over the hill from where I live. Oh, really? He oh, hunts like right over the hill from where I live. Yeah, dude. I, he, he always invites me. He's like, anytime you want to come hunt pigs, just come down. 
And I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm totally gonna do it. And then like six months later, I still haven't come down to hunt pigs with him. Um, but I still to this day have not taken a pig. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, for some reason, the pig population out here where I live is just not as good as it used to be. You know, there was a time I hunted a six, I had 6,000 acres that I could hunt out past Lake Sonoma, out Rothpile Road. And there was, I mean, and this was back, you know, in the mid to late 2000s, there was pigs everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And, uh, and now like the ranch that I hunt currently, it used to be the same way. It was loaded with pigs. There's rarely even a lone boar walking through. So, you know, and that's, that's due to a few things that's due to the disease that's due to trapping, obviously hunting, and then also mountain lions, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I wonder if we're also seeing, you know, cause we had that drought, that big drought for so dang long. I wonder if we're all finally seeing some population issues because of that. Well, we had the drought back in, I think it was the eighties or the early nineties. And then we had a die off a of deer out here from blue tongue mm-hmm. and blue, the blue tongue doesn't like, Oh yeah. Lake Sonoma used to have one of the best archery hunts in the state for blacktail. And it's now like one of the worst. <laughs> I mean, it takes like five or six points to draw it, but I wouldn't even burn two or three points on it just because there's no deer out there anymore. And that's one because of the relocation of mountain lions. They will not tell you that, but they do dump mountain lions out on the army Corps engineers property out at Lake Sonoma. And uh, so there's that. And then there's also the die off that they had from the disease, which is blue tongue. Uh, so the, the, the deer population, it's been hurting out here and same with the pig population, but there's still some good areas like Boonville and the highway 253 region, highway 128 region are just, they're doing really well with their pig population. There's a lot of big bucks out there too. Oh man. I'm sitting here in the middle of San Francisco. Like <laughs> literally you can't see the horizon because of the giant ass buildings completely surrounding me. And I am, I'm going through withdrawals just thinking about this right now. Just, I just want to be in the field right now. Nothing else, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I don't know what I got going on this weekend. I we'll see. I got. I might have a junior that I'm taking. I think it's the junior weekend, isn't it? I don't know, man. I like. I have this to look every, every time. I have to look. I can't. I can't keep track of of what the seasons are uh, out here. But it's. Uh, I think this has it in here. This reg book, but I think are we officially into the archery? Ar- yeah. So archery. The- yeah, so the junior hunt extends a week into the archery season for the okay. general archery. So, yes, because that seven-year-old woman wanted me to take her, her well, I don't know what it would be, her daughter's daughter, so granddaughter, I guess. Yeah, it sounds about right. So she wants me to take her out and try to get her a bird. We'll see what happens. I don't know, but that's pretty much a, And then as far as hunting goes, I might do a couple hog hunts until deer season, but deer season here in Azon is going to start in the second week of July, which is in, you know, less than two and a half months away. Yeah. It's, that's the other cool thing is like, I know a lot of guys like that come out to California solely so they can get, you know, an extra like month of deer hunting. And, you know, they put in for, they put in for those Azon tags and, you know, I mean, guys, they, that it's almost like it's their dirty secret. Like, you know, it's like they wear, they wear ladies underwear and they, uh, hunt a zone in California in, in July. I was talking to the guys at first light and I was like, yeah, um, I need, you know, cause I got a bunch of gear and I'm kind of switching over to first light just because, well, I just kind of want a little bit of a variety. And, uh, I was like, yeah, my deer season starts in July. And he's like, well, July. I was like, yeah, so I need something that's going to be, you know, good when it's 105, 108 out. Yeah. And he's like, that sounds awful. And I'm <laughs> pouring you hunting. <laughs> like, at least for the unit that I hunt, A zone north and even A zone south, it's like, you know, starts in second week of July and goes all the way through mm-hmm. in this, the end of September when, right, you know, that's rifle season. And so, uh, we don't get very many days where the high doesn't reach 
below 90. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, it just, it reminds me of, you know, like when I go out to Arizona in August as well, it's the same kind of thing to where it's just nasty. Like, and, and, you know, and then, but then the funny thing is like, you're leaving it, you know, you're leaving before the sun's up and it's, you're freezing your ass off trying to, trying to get out there. And then by the time, you know, by the time the sun's up, it's freaking, like you said, it's top in 90, it's hundred degrees. You got no shade. You're crawling through just nasty, sticky brush. And yet we still keep doing it. Still keep doing it. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a ranch that I used to hunt up in the geysers. And for there, most of the time when you wake up, before daylight it's like 78 degrees right and it's not even light out and by nine o'clock ten o'clock it's in the like mid mid 90s and the last buck that i killed up there i shot it and i was shooting it like 350 yards 400 yards i made a horrible shot and long story short i had followed this buck for the next two hours finally found him dead and it was around 1230 in the afternoon and it was already a hundred and like 104. And it was just, you know, the buck deer was still fine. He was, he was, he died up on, under a bay tree, but uh, coming out of there when it's a hundred, now it's like, you know, I'm, I got, got him gutted and everything. And we're coming out of that Canyon and it's 106, 107. It is brutal, you know? So I will be, I'm going to be very happy. Hopefully hunting in October up in Northeastern where it's hopefully snowing. <laughs> pray for snow. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I mean, just, I mean, bringing it full circle to like what we talked about before. It's like, that's the thing about California is, you know, within like, like two hours drive half the time you're one, you know, you're hunting in a hundred degree weather in, you know, in brush and rocks and then you, you can suddenly be in the middle of snow. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Like, you know, like we're talking about all kinds of different climates and, you know, microclimates. I can drive over to the coast and hunt in the redwoods in July or August, and it would be in the 60s, foggy. And then I come over the hill an hour back home, and it'd be 108 here. And then I could drive two and a half, three hours north and be up in almost an alpine kind of area up in outside of Covalo. At like seven sixty five, seven thousand feet of elevation, and feel like I'm up in the Sierras almost, mm-hmm. you know. And then it's not generally as hot, but yeah, it's just you know we we have a lot to offer. Obviously, the big game hunting isn't the best, but for some people it is. Some people mm-hmm. have some great places to go and have some great ranches to hunt and kill some amazing animals. Um, but for the public land hunter, I think California it can be good if you put the footwork into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And some people just get dumb luck. Like I know a guy doesn't even really hunt. He killed a smoker buck. Just, you know, (laughs) he was like driving some road and got out of his truck to walk over and look into a little Canyon and the buck was standing there and he shot it. And I don't even think he's killed deer since. And that was like eight years ago. You know what I mean? I mean, I definitely do not have that dumb luck. That's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> well, except for turkeys, I clearly have the dumb luck with turkeys. So maybe that'll transition into deer eventually, but, um, awesome, man. So, you know, as we're winding down here, um, I always like to kind of finish out with, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this, but, you know, say some, say you're whatever, you're just, you're talking to someone you happen to run into, they know you're a hunter or whatever it is. And they're like, man, all of that's so cool. I've always wanted to go hunting you know, I'm super into it, but I don't know. It seems expensive. There's like a lot of stuff I got to learn. It's, it's just really intimidating for me. I don't think it's something I could do. What encouragement, what words of wisdom would you give to that person? I mean, you know, obviously hunting can be very expensive, um, for the blue collar person, you know, I mean, you can, you can kind of like, like, you know, recently I just dropped a whole bunch of money on camouflage, new pair of boots, all kinds of stuff. But, uh, you know, but like, as far as, you know, getting into it, I think, I think that if, and I talked about this on the last podcast that I did for somebody who's like ground zero, doesn't really know anything, you know, I would recommend to reach out somebody like you or I, or somebody who's, 
you know, avid into it. And, you know, whether that's on social media or even if somebody like knows somebody who's into it and kind of like, you know, just kind of like put your toes in, you know, buy something doesn't have to be the best quality thing. It's like my wife, I didn't go out and buy her a bunch of QU or first light gear. I bought her some just mossy oak stuff because if she doesn't, she's not into it. Then, then I didn't, you know, break the bank for that. But, uh, you know, but I think the main thing is, is trying to figure out what maybe animal you're comfortable with going after and trying to find somebody that might be able to take you under their wing. That's what, see, I was very fortunate. Like I talked about earlier, the guy took me under his wing, kind of showed me everything and, uh, really made it for me where I just fell in love with it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's how my dad did the same thing with fishing with me. But I think the main thing is, is, you know, you don't have to have all the top of the line stuff to be able to do it. Cause there was a time like for, for a, for a period there where I wore Wrangler blue jeans, a pair of Danner boots, a cut off Ben Davis and hunted with a 243 Savage and I either had a fanny pack with a pocket knife and a water bottle, or I just had a pocket knife in my pocket and a water bottle in my hand with a gun over my shoulder. And then I would just go. I didn't need all the stuff that I have now. Obviously what I have now makes it a little easier, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. So, you know, um, you don't need all that stuff to get it done, but uh, as far as somebody that, and I've talked to people about that and I always, I always offer if I, if I can take them, then I will, you know, like I talked about being a guide earlier, fishing trips, you know, I, I, there's this kid that was down on the river one day fishing and he's out in the rain wearing shorts, a jacket and these little like ankle boots and it's pouring rain. I'm cold and I'm in waders and a jacket. I'm looking at him and I'm like, I start talking to him, you know, he's like, well, my dad doesn't really fish. So, you know, he kind of just helps me out and gets me what I need. And I come down fishing and he's like, I think I follow you on Instagram. Don't you have a, you know, Redwood Fishing Adventures, isn't it? And I was like, yeah. So he's talking to me and I told him, I said, you know what? Hey, I was like, here's my phone number. Call me. I got a pair of waders I'm going to give you. And if you want to go fishing in my boat and I'm fishing and I have a seat available, don't even worry about it. You just get in and we'll go. You know what I mean? So because that, that young kid, he's probably a sophomore in high school. He's out there trying to do it. I mean, yeah. And I have the utmost respect for him and hopefully, and I'm watching him after when I'm getting ready to leave, he's picking up other people's garbage on the bank. And I'm thinking, man, like nobody didn't teach me that when I was his age, you know what I mean? Like I was kind of doing the opposite, like, you know, causing all kinds of chaos and stuff. But, uh, you know, but to have, to see someone his age doing that attracted me to be able, you know, to, you know, want to help him out. No, that's, that's cool. You don't see that. I mean, you don't see dedication or interest like that in a lot of kids that age either. Like that's, that's really cool. Um, So if uh, folks wanted to follow along, find you online, reach out, where's the best place to do that? Uh, Either probably, probably Instagram, California outdoorsman. Um, Like I said, I have a business Instagram. I'm not really trying to promote that or anything, but I do post on there during steelhead season, during salmon season. But uh, if you want to actually follow me on my hunting and personal and fishing adventures, then it's probably California Outdoorsman. Just go ahead and, you know, if you have any questions, feel free, shoot me a message. I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can and uh, help you out with anything that I can answer any questions or anything. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for sitting down, taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com slash 148 to check out links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. I'm looking forward to next week. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. go out there and the fish are where you think they are any one of these casts could be the bite it's the most exciting fishing that i know right here at hawks cave
Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network. Brought to you in part by HuntStand. The number one hunting and land management app.